So how do you feel about sales calls? Do you just love them? Can't get enough of them? Look forward to them? Dream about them? (laughs) Or are you like most people who I meet? You hate them. In fact, you dread them. You feel anxiety around them. You might even be going out of your way to avoid them in your business. And you just think, oh, sales calls are the things that I hate the most about running my business. Well, I've had this come up before where people tell me, hey, Rita, I am not good at sales calls. I'm having a sales call problem. I can't convert my sales calls. I'm just not converting sales calls. So I don't understand why I should even continue to have them. I keep having them. And at the end of them, nobody's saying yes. And when I dig into it, I find out that that's not exactly true. It's not that they're actually having a sales call conversion problem. It's simply that the calls that they are having aren't actually sales calls. I mean, they're calling the calls that they're having sales calls. But when I dig into all the facts around those calls, they aren't actually sales calls. Now, probably not a shocker that I love sales calls. I used to hate them. I used to dread them. I used to feel the anxiety around them. And I'm going to tell you a re- what I think is a really great story. And everything you need to know about how I went from dreading sales calls to truly like seeking them out, being excited for them. And I want you to be able to use this information to also go from dread to excitement. Because if you don't like sales calls, then guess what? The people on the other end of your sales call, they're not going to like it either. So whether you think you sound like it or not on a call, I guarantee this. That in your mind, if your mindset is like, oh, I'm dreading this, I don't want to do it, it doesn't matter how you think you're showing up on the call, you're actually not going to make sales because people on your sales calls are actually going to feel what you think they can't see, that you're not enjoying it, and they're not going to enjoy it either. Now, let's get back to what the definition of a sales call is. Here, when I've I've asked this question before in the All-In Entrepreneur, if you're not a member of the All-In Entrepreneur Facebook community, then definitely head over there. But I asked in there, tell me what your definition of a sales call is. And I got answers like, well, anytime I'm talking about my business, Rita, anytime I'm talking about my product or my service or my business, when I'm talking to someone, that's a sales call. And I got someone else saying, hey, when I'm just trying to obtain a client, that's a sales call. I'm gonna tell you my definition. Because those two definitions, and they were the majority definition in the group, I don't believe that those are sales calls, not necessarily. So to me, my definition and what I have all of my clients take on as their definition of a sales call is that someone has affirmatively indicated an interest in potentially hiring you or purchasing from you. They have said those words. They've said things like, I think I would like to work with you. I am interested in learning more about this product. I'm having a problem. I'm having a problem that I believe your service can solve. And I'd really like to talk to you more about that. And it can also happen in the other way where you're hearing someone talk about a problem and then you suggest, you say, hey, you know, this is exactly how I work with clients or this is exactly why I created my product or my service solves this exact problem, would you like to talk about that? And then they say, yes, let's talk about if your product or if your service can solve my problem. So to me, that is the definition of a sales call. And you might be on calls with people before that point, but that's not a sales call. They're just not there yet. And that's why you're not converting them. It's not that you're not converting sales calls in that situation. It's that you're not actually on a sales call. Now we know a sales call is when they have indicated an interest in hiring you for your service. They have indicated an interest in hiring you for your product. They have said, I have a problem. (laughs) Whoever initiated the conversation, they have agreed. I have a problem or I want a result, and they think that your product or your service can help them do that, can help them get that result. And now they want to explore it, and they want to see if that's true. So you can see how in these other examples of calls, you could be on a call with someone who said, I would like to learn more about what you do, 
or I'd like to learn more about your business, but they haven't said, I have a problem, I have a result, and I'd like to explore if your business can solve it. They just haven't indicated that they wanted to have a sales conversation. They're really just having an information gathering call or conversation. So now that we have the definition of what a sales call is, how do you fall in love with it? How do you go from dreading it to being excited about it? Because again, like we said, if you don't love your sales call process, then the people on the other end, they're not going to love it. How do you love your sales call process so that you can convert more sales calls with ease, getting more clients, generating more money, having a bigger result? That is what we're talking about on today's episode of the Rita Made Me Do It show. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become six-figure business owner. Because, because of Rita, because of Rita I'm I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show, where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. So as I told you, I used to not love sales calls. I did not enjoy them because this scenario, this fact pattern that we're talking about, it played out frequently in my business. Now, I was new not to entrepreneurship, but to business coaching. So many of you know, I was an attorney for very many years, 13 years, left the life of a lawyer, became a dating coach, and then transitioned after a year to business coaching. So I had been date coaching for a while. But what I'm talking about now is when I was fully transitioning over to business coaching. I had fully transitioned. Business coaching was still new. That was my new business. My service for business coaching was a new offer. And it's really important to know that and to have that context for the story that I'm going to share. Because I told you, I used to not like sales calls. And this fact pattern was playing out. And it was playing out at a time when I was new to business coaching. I was offering a new service. And all of that's going to get connected. All those dots are going to get connected in this story. So I got on a call with a woman who I had relatively recently met. I had seen her networking. I went out networking to in-person networking groups, and I had seen her out networking a couple of times, and she saw me speak a couple of times, and she came up to me and said, I love everything you say. I love how you built your business, and I would really love to talk to you about my business to see if there's anything that you could do to help me or if maybe we could work together. So complete check mark, right? It was an official sales call under the definition that I gave. Because remember, a sales call is when the person who you're talking to has said, I have a problem or I need a result and I want to explore if your product or service can get me there. And I want to talk to you about it, regardless of who initiated the conversation. They've made that clear. They don't just want overall general information they're exploring that specific concept to see if it's right to work with you. So this checked that box. It was an official sales call. So brand new, transitioning into business coaching, sales call. And this woman was like, I love you. I love everything about you. And I think you could help me. Let's see if we're a good fit. So back then, my sales calls were scheduled for 30 minutes. I actually scheduled them for 45 minutes, but 30 minutes was usually the actual amount of the sales call. The 15 was a buffer in case somebody wanted to move forward with working with me. So I scheduled this woman into a spot for a sales call, 30 to 45 minute sales call. When I got on the sales call with her, the actual length of the sales call was an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> that is how long I stayed on the phone with her for one hour and 30 minutes because we were talking about so much and I was giving so much value and we're going to get to that in a minute. And we were really digging in and it was a great call and she was being super receptive to it. She kept saying how great it was. And so I just kept going. Now, honestly, how many of you have done that before? 
you had a set scheduled time for a sales call and you exceeded it. I did multiple times at the beginning of my business where I would go over the allocated time, usually by double. So in this case, that's what happened. I was on the phone with her for an hour and 30 minutes and I just kept going. Now, here is why she really had reached out to me. She had a group coaching program. She was trying to fill it. It was a great program. She said, Rita, this is a great program. I've spent so much time putting this program together. I did market research around it. I know people want this. So it wasn't even like she hadn't validated the idea. It was validated for market research, a program that people wanted at a price point that they wanted. And she was like, this is a perfect program for people. I've been marketing it. I've been putting it out there. The marketing was really good. Rita, I think it's getting a lot of traction. And I checked it out. It was good. It was getting traction. And she said, but then I get on the phone with people. And then they're like, yeah, maybe the next round, maybe the next round, or I'll just sign up in the future or this isn't right for me right now. So she was super frustrated that there was interest. It was a validated, vetted program with interest that was getting traction in response, but no signups. That's how she explained it to me on the sales call. Now, what I found out in this one hour and 30 minute call was that the market research piece was not actually true. She had not done real market research. She did what she thought was market research, but she didn't really know how to do traditional market research. So while the marketing was getting engagement, it wasn't resonating with who she wanted to purchase the program. So when I was digging into what her challenge was, I was able to identify on this call that it was market research, even though she didn't think it was a market research problem. She thought that it was a sales call problem. So that was really the problem. It was not really a sales call problem. So I started talking to her about it and she was like, I don't get it, Rita. I thought I had done market research. So guess what I did? Guess what I talked about, guys, for the next hour? How to do market research, right? So on the call, I helped her see she hadn't done traditional market research. She really did it with too broad of a target market and developed it for too broad of a target market. So all of her decisions on the program were made from the basis of kind of bad data. And so I helped her on this call then identify a more narrow target market. I actually took her through an exercise that I created that helped her identify who her target market really was. And then I told her how to go about doing market research with that specific market. Not just the concept of it, but I helped her draft the specific questions for the market research. I gave her all of these questions, all of these great questions to conduct some really comprehensive, solid market research. And then after we had checked that box on the sales call, I told her how to promote and how to get people to sign up for the market research. So she had all the market research. We identified her narrow target market. She had all the market research ready to go. And she knew how to promote and get people to sign up for the market research so she could get really great data. So that's what I did on the sales call. I identified she had a market research problem. And then I told her in detail how to conduct market research for this specific target market that I helped her identify and get clarity on and all of this stuff. And she was over the moon about it, guys. She loved it. She was like, Rita, I never even thought about this. I actually thought market research was something different. This is so new. What you're talking about, I didn't think it was for my kind of business. And this is game changing. I remember that statement. Rita, This is game changing. This is incredible. She was excited. She's like, I can't wait to do this. I'm so excited. I'm so excited that I know who my market is and how to talk to them and how to find them. And this is all amazing. And I was right there with her excitement. I was like, cool. Like, is it okay if I tell you how I could continue to support you? And she was like, sure. So I said, well, here's what I do for clients. Here's how I work with them. Here's what our steps would be together next. And then I was like, so what do you say? Would you like to be my client? Kind of like, Mr. Rob, won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> and I, wouldn't you love to move forward and do these things? And she was like, no. 
<laughs> she, she didn't say it exactly like that. She was like, actually, not right now, maybe in the future, right? All of the same stuff we were talking about at the beginning of the call. She was like, no. I mean, on one hand, guys, and I know you identify with this because I know so many of you have had this same scenario play out. On one hand, she's saying this information is a game changer for my program, for my business, and for my life. This is so fascinating. I mean, these were real phrases from her mouth. I have never had this kind of clarity before. This is the most impactful sales call I've ever had. This is going to be a huge win for my business. You are incredible, Rita. Your information is incredible. I cannot believe what I'm walking away from this call with. And then on the other hand, she's also saying, and I don't want to work with you. I don't want to continue to work with you. How many of you have had that happen before where you spent so much time on a call and you gave great value and great information, game-changing, life-changing, business-changing information to someone and they love it and it is life-changing for them and they're being honest about that and they are so excited. And then they're also like, no, thank you. I don't think I want to continue. I don't think I have the time to work with you. I don't think this is the right time. Maybe sometime in the future. And you're just like, what? You just said that this is game changing. Why would you not want to work with me? Whether you said that or not, how many of you have felt like that? Isn't it frustrating? (laughs) Isn't it defeating? That's how I felt on this call. I felt defeated. I felt frustrated. And I thought, what am I doing? How can I keep doing this? This is really exhausting. And I was, I was exhausted. In fact, that's something I hear from people around sales calls more than anything else is, oh my gosh, like sales calls are super exhausting, Rita. And I was, I was so exhausted. And I remember calling my coach, my coach back then, guys, same coach I have now. We're talking like seven years later. That's going to be a future episode, by the way, the importance of like the relationship and coaching. But this is like a value add, right? She has been with me from the beginning. I remember calling her that day after that call saying, I am so tired of this. I am tired of always giving great value, having people say that I'm making real changes and a real impact and not wanting to pay me. I was particularly bitter after this hour and a half call. And again, this is right when I was transitioning from date coaching into business coaching. And I was like, maybe I'm making a mistake. I am so exhausted. I am so tired. I mean, I was tired in general, but I was really tired after each call. And I told my coach, I have to change something. I am so tired of looky-loos. I'm tired of people who just want to get on the phone with me for free information and they have no interest in hiring me. I think I need to start charging for my sales calls or consultations or whatever you guys call them, discovery calls. I called mine clarity calls. We're going to call them for this episode, sales calls or consultations. And that's what I told her that day. I was just so frustrated and tired of this repeating and me pouring value into these people and people confirming that it was extreme value and then saying, no, thanks. So that particular day, I was just done with it. And I said, I need to start charging. So I don't know how many of you have ever thought that before. I'm assuming a good many, just tired of people always looking for free information. And you're wanting to vet more. You're wanting to do something to weed people out. You want to weed out people just looking for free information. And so you're thinking of all of these ways that you can create a sales call process that will only attract people with money and people who are ready to hire you. And you thought, well, if I charge for a consultation then that's going to be it. That's going to be what bets people and attracts the right people. So how many of you have thought that? How many of you wish that maybe I could charge for a call or you're thinking about it or you're just tired of the looky-loos and the people who want free information? Well, that's what I felt like back then. It felt like every time, all the time, every minute of the day, every call I was having, people were having aha moments with every interaction with me and they weren't hiring me, and I was exhausted and tired of people picking my brain. And here's the thing. Because I was bitter that day, and I made the decision that I was going to charge, I am so glad that I called my coach because she talked me out of it. And I'm really, really glad she did because I didn't end up implementing any of that. And I'm going to tell you what I did instead so that you can do it too. But I want you to see why I'm glad I didn't do it. And the reason that I'm glad I didn't do it 
is charging for my clarity call consultation, right? Charging for my consultation would not have solved my problem because the lack of charging didn't cause my problem. The problem that I was experiencing of people not hiring me had nothing to do with the fact that there was no fee associated with my sales call. So putting a fee onto the sales call could not have solved the problem because it didn't cause the problem. Much like money. A lot of people look to money in general, as a solution. I'm having these problems, and if I could just have more money, then I would solve these problems. But the real thing is, money isn't going to solve the problem because the money didn't cause the problem. (laughs) Something else caused the problem, right? So we have to figure out what the real solution is. And in this case, I was looking for the wrong solution. It was not going to be solved by putting a fee on a sales call because a lack of a fee on a sales call was not the reason why I wasn't converting the call. So then why wasn't I converting? I'm going to use the story I just shared, this specific sales call, to talk to you about it. So on this particular call, right, I told you I poured into her, helping her identify her narrow target market, helping her draft her market research questions, helping her come up with her promotional strategy for getting people on the market research call, even how to collect the data and how to analyze the data. But do you know why I did that? Why I gave her all of that information on my sales call? It was because, I mean, the honest truth, remember, new to business coaching at the time, it was because I felt like I had to prove to her that I was a good business coach. Here I was on this call feeling like I had to show her that I was good at what I did. I had to show her that I'm a good business coach, that the way I thought and the way I worked, that it was going to help her. Now, it wasn't a very conscious thought, but it was a subconscious thought that I had to prove that I was good. And the way to prove it was by showing it and being a good business coach, by solving a problem for her. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in my value. I was lacking confidence because I was new. Remember, I was transitioning into business coaching. So while coaching wasn't new, business coaching was new. So I was lacking confidence in my value as a business coach. And because I couldn't see it, I could not see that I was lacking confidence. I felt like, okay, I have to prove to this person on the phone with me that I'm good at what I do because I was assuming they couldn't see it because I was new. So I had to prove that I was good at what I did. So I was not really selling my services on that sales call. I was selling myself on that sales call. Do you see that? That's why I had to pour so much value into that call. It was not to sell my business coaching. I was selling me as a business coach. So it was not a sales call problem I was having. That's not why the call didn't convert. It was a value problem. It was a value problem that I was having. Do you see that? I did not believe that I was good at what I did or that I was good enough that people would just inherently know that I was good. So I had to use the sales call to prove it. And the way that I could prove it was by helping them talk through a problem and solve a problem for them real time. So it had to do with me not believing in my own value, thinking that people didn't see my value, so I had to show my value. So that's what I was doing. (laughs) Do we have that? That's what was happening on my sales calls back then, the ones that I was tired of, the ones that I thought I needed to add a consultation fee for. But do you see now how adding a consultation fee would not have solved the problem because I would still be showing up in that same way, in that same energy. And guess what, guys? People mirror back your energy. So that's what was happening. No wonder, no wonder I was exhausted. I was doing one big tap dance on these sales calls. Like, look at me. 
Look at me. I'm really good at what I do. Look at me. Tap dancing. Look at me over here. Let me show you. Let me show you. Look at the show. <laughs> Look at the show. Like it wasn't a fake show. It wasn't a magic show. It was just an unscripted show. But boy, guys, was it a show because I was really trying to show that I was good at what I did. I needed people to see that. So my sales calls were really nothing more than one big tap dance. And isn't that tiring? Isn't that exhausting? Be honest. How many of you have felt that way, that you're really just tap dancing on a call to show that you're good at what you do and it's exhausting? And at the end of it, even after they say, oh, this is great. Oh, this is life changing. But no, thank you. You're going to be even more frustrated and exhausted and you're really going to hate the tap dance. And here's the thing, the more that I had to prove it, right, the more that I was trying to prove it, the less the people on the other end of the call believed it. Have you guys ever been in that situation before? I mean, think about it outside of business. Think about it outside of a sales call. Have you ever heard someone try to convince people of something? They say things like, I'm so pretty. (laughs) Guys, I am so pretty. Or I am so funny. I am such a good catch. I'm such a good catch. You know, I don't know why the date coach in me is coming back in again, guys. Sometimes in these episodes, the date coach like kicks back in, but they're thinking, I'm such a good catch. And you're thinking, no, you're not. Like, I'm pretty sure they're not a good catch. Imagine you on a date and this guy is just telling you how smart he is and how funny he is and what good partner he is. And you're sitting there thinking, "Uh, I'm pretty sure you're not. Or when people say things like, I'm so honest. I'm a very honest person. Let me tell you how honest I am. (laughs) Let me count the ways of my honesty. Let me share stories with you that show you that I'm honest. And the more that they try to tell you that they're honest, what happens? The less you believe it, right? The more somebody tries to tell you or sell you something about them, the less that you believe it. It's like these coaches that come online and they market and they're like, look at this big house behind me. Look at, look, and they're referencing it. I'm living my laptop lifestyle here in front of this big house and driving around in this big car and look at my boat and look at how happy I am working from anywhere. But the more that they're trying to tell you about it, the less you actually believe it, the less you believe it's really happening or the less you believe that it's making them happy. Whereas the coaches who are just doing it, they're not talking about it. I mean, they're filming a video and maybe you can tell from the background that they're somewhere new or somewhere different, but they don't reference it. They don't tell you where they are, or you can tell that they're traveling from their social media. Maybe they're saying, hey, I'm here speaking to a group, but they're just doing things. They're just living their life and they don't have to point it out along the way. You just believe them because you know it and you know it to be true. And then you think that's what I want. So this is the important thing to take away. The more you try to prove that you're good at what you do, the less people are going to believe it. So when you're on a sales call and you're like thinking to yourself, well, I don't believe in me. So subconsciously, remember, that's what's happening on these sales calls. You're having that value problem, not all of you, but a good number of you. Just like the sales call I was sharing with you where I didn't really believe that I was a good business coach because I was new to business coaching. So I had to show it, had to tap dance on that sales call to show them that I was a good coach and show them by solving a problem. And they would say, okay, this is great. Right. And I was thinking, well, if I solve a problem for them on the sales call, well, they're just going to know that I can solve other problems for them. That's what would happen. But truthfully, the more that I was solving problems and helping them, even though surface level, they thought it sounded great subconsciously, they didn't even realize it was happening. It was a feeling that they're having. They're subconsciously starting to doubt my ability to continue to help them. Because the more, right, again, the more you try to tell people something, the less people believe it. I'll tell you another story about a client for date coaching. So you can see it in another context. She had a condition, I forget what it's called, but her arm would swell and she had to wear a compression sleeve a lot. And so she would go out dating and she would have this compression sleeve and it was sticking out because she would wear long sleeves to try to hide it. And she was very self-conscious about it and she'd be covering it up or, and then people would point it out. 
they'd say, hey, what's that? And she'd say, oh, and she felt bad about it. So she started apologizing for it. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I have this condition, but it's not really a big deal. I promise it's not really a big deal. It's barely a deal in my life. Like, it's a teeny tiny deal. And of course, what was happening on the other end of the table, the date on the other end of the table now started thinking, this must be a big deal. (laughs) That's a big deal because look at how much she's trying to convince me that it's not a big deal. And look at her reaction to it. She's feeling bad about it. She's self-conscious about it. And because of it, she's trying to convince me that it's not a big deal. So it must be a big deal. And the minute that we got that clarity for her, for that client, we were able to solve the real problem, which was her not being self-conscious about it. So we worked on that. And once she was fine with it, once she really, she had accepted it and she was totally fine with it and she went out on dates, she started wearing short sleeves. She wasn't trying to hide it. Nobody asked, hey, what's that? If they did, she would say something like, oh, it's just a saying. And she would just keep talking about whatever they were talking about. And from that moment on, not one other person thought that it was a big deal. Because people mirror back the energy that you have about something. So if you don't love your sales calls or you're not believing in yourself and you don't think you're good at what you do and you're trying to show, right, other people so they'll believe that you're good at what you do, they're just picking up all of that energy. But here's like a even like pulling the lens back a little more of this. The less you believe it, I know I'm repeating, but I'm going to connect another dot here. The less you believe it, the less the people you're talking to believe it. And then they feel uncomfortable and they don't know why. They don't know why because they did just get life-changing information from you and they don't understand why they're feeling like, I don't want to continue. But subconsciously, really, it's because they're doubting your value. They're mirroring the same belief you have in yourself and they end up saying, no, no, thank you. I don't think that this is the right time. And that just affirms the thought that you have that you're not good at it. It affirms the thought like when that woman told me, no, not now, it just affirmed the thought that, see, I'm not a good business coach. And so guess what happened on the next sales call? And the same is true for you. Guess what happens on the next sales calls? You just like take it up a notch because now you've affirmed that you're not actually good at what you do and that people don't see your good. So now you're going to try to prove it even more on the next sales call. Do you see the cycle? So that's the first thing. It's not a sales call problem. It's a value problem. But here's something else. They have this call with you and they feel like they got everything they needed. And so that's the other piece of this. Like, oh my gosh, I just got everything I needed. I can run with this. Again, the call that I'm using as an example on this episode is, wow, I got everything I needed about market research. I have it all done for me. I'm good, right? Like I'm able to run with this on my own. I know how to promote it and I know how to analyze it. And it's not that I think you should withhold things from people. Now I am going to tell you, I don't think a sales call is the right time for all of that, but here's the bigger thing. It's never the truth, right? It's always more than what you could get out of one 45-minute sales call. Sure, she had some questions. She had some ability to promote. But if she wasn't promoting with the frequency she needed, if she wasn't ordering, like the if she got on the call and got nervous and didn't order the questions in the right way, if she didn't structure the data in the right way to analyze it, like there are all of these other pieces that she needed for market research to actually be valuable for her, not just what she had on the call. It's always going to be a bigger thing. There's always more to it. So she didn't actually get all the information she needed. There was a lot of stuff in her mind about getting people on the call, her energy when people canceled calls, how to word certain things, how to handle certain situations when the market research call went off script, all of this stuff. But I had a conversation with her later and her market research wasn't actually going well because of all of that other stuff, not because of the pieces she had. It wasn't going that well because of everything that she didn't have. And so do you know what happened? Her thought was, Rita has no idea what she's talking about. This didn't work. So not only did I not get her sale on that call, right? I did not convert the sale on the call with her, but she didn't come back to me for anything because she didn't actually think I was good at what I did because she thought, well, I gave her information enough that it should work. So when it didn't work, she didn't think, well, it's because I didn't have all the information I needed. She thought she did. She just thought it was bad information. So my coach that I was referencing, I'll I'll tell you something. She kind of equated it to, it's like surgery. It's like you're actually 
you know, trying to solve a problem, when you start trying to solve a problem on a sales call, it's like you've cut them open. They're on a table cut open and you're like, okay, let me dig in and let me start doing this surgery. But you don't have enough time to actually like fully like solve the problem, do the full surgery and leave them like pieced back together again in a healthy, full way. So maybe some organs are hanging out or they're just like stitched up terribly. Like it didn't actually fix the problem or give them the result. They're not where they want to be. Uh, Do you see what I'm saying? It's like you open up Pandora's box and you just don't have time to close it. And they don't know that. They don't know that it's not the full picture. So when it's not enough, they fault you. They fault you for not knowing what you're talking about. So that's something else that's happening with people on sales calls when you really dive in and you give all of this value. So to recap, not only was I not believing in my value as a business coach and thinking they didn't see my value because how could they if I couldn't see it, they couldn't see it, which is why I thought I had to prove it to them. And I thought I would prove it to them by solving all of these problems and showing them that I'm good at what I did. And that I solved all of these problems, but what that was doing was number one, it made them think my value was less because I was trying so hard to prove my value. Number two, they thought they had enough information so they didn't need to hire me. And then number three, oh, actually really number two, subpart B, they didn't actually have enough information. So then later on when it didn't work, they didn't come back to me because they thought I didn't know what I was talking about. And then number three, they mirrored all of that energy. They felt relieved right at the end of not hiring me, right? Because when the sales call ended, they actually felt relieved because they were picking up and mirroring back that anxiety, that energy, that lack of belief, and they didn't understand it. I was trying to prove myself too hard. They didn't believe it. They thought they had enough information to roll with it, even though they didn't. And then later on when it didn't work, they faulted me. And that's just what was happening. So, of course, on the call, they were going to say no to working with me or they never came back to me. And it just affirmed it for me that I'm not good at what I do. So then I'd have to prove it more and prove it more. And then, right, like that cycle gets heightened. And then the final kicker piece of this, like a bigger piece of this as well, is that it was also out of integrity for me. It was violating a core value. I had paying clients. I had clients who pay me money for this information. And I was giving away that same information on a sales call. And that was messing with my integrity. I was giving away for free what clients paid me for. And once I had that revelation, that was eye-opening to me. So here I was thinking that the problem was just looky-loose and that people wanted free information and that's why they were calling and nobody was serious about hiring me and boy oh boy right I should really start charging for a sales call and it had absolutely nothing to do with that at all. The problem was a value problem not a sales problem. So then a couple of other questions come up in terms of well how do you break the cycle Rita and also if you are new at something? How do you let people know that you're good at something if you're not using the sales call to tell them that you're good at something? And this is where the idea of containers and rules for those containers in your sales process really comes into play. Now, I will say, because this is just a short podcast episode, that I'm putting a link in the show notes to my final gathering. So if you've listened to the past episodes, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're new, that's okay too. Welcome. I'll explain it to you. So I am having a series of gatherings. I had one in January, one in February, and now I'm having one in March. And that's my final. It's a three-part series. And this is part three. The gatherings are virtual and they're not master classes, they're not trainings. They are facilitated conversations that are interactive with live Q&A, live coaching, and they're geared towards helping you get hired. Get hired by the right people at the right rate. So what's the right rate? (laughs) The rate that you want to make. So how do you get people to say yes? That's what we're talking about on this episode. How do you get people to say yes to you? How do you get people on the phone with you who are ready to hire you? That is specifically what we are talking about on March 28th for the final gathering. So a link is in the show notes all about that. 
So in this gathering, we're going to talk about how to not have to convince people, how to not have to feel like you need to prove to people that you're really good at what you do because you're going to have marketing on point. Your marketing will have built relationships and inbound leads that take care of that for you. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to find out about your businesses and your business models, and we're going to dive right into that so that your call, your sales calls are easy. Your sales calls are effortless, and they happen in a structure that feels good. They happen in a way that really allow you to connect with those right people who are ready to be on the phone with you because they're already ready to hire you. They're already ready to pay your rate. That's what we're going to talk about in Gathering 3. So head to the show notes, sign up for how to get people on the phone with you who are ready to hire you at your rate so that you can be part of it. And when you register, you'll also get access to part one and part two. So part one was about finding the right people online. How do you find and connect with the right people online? And then part two is about finding people in person, mainly through speaking and networking. So you'll get access to part two as well that goes into detail about how to find those right people in person, in those places, and how to leverage those opportunities. And then, of course, you'll attend part three about getting the right people on the phone with you who are ready to hire you now and hire you at the rates that you charge. So head to the show notes and sign up for that. So what's a container? It's just a touch point that you're having with potential clients. So how are you building awareness and how are you moving people through? So for example, my Facebook group is one container. So I need to have rules around what I will do and won't do. I need to have boundaries around what I will or won't do in that container. And then another touch point is a sales call. I need to have rules around what I will or won't do on a sales call. And another touch point is actually having a client. So I need to have rules around what I will or won't do on coaching sessions. And that's how I can move people through. So when you have containers for your marketing and your sales process, it's easy to move people from container to container. I was not moving anybody from any container. I was doing it all on the sales call. So like in my Facebook group, I have certain rules around things I won't do in my Facebook group. If you want to have certain kinds of conversations with me about certain things, you have to get on a sales call with me. And now you know what I just talked about. On a sales call, I'm not coaching you. That's not the purpose of a sales call. It's not to coach you. That's what a coaching relationship is for. So having the containers is the first step and then putting rules with your containers. And that's something that we're going to do in Gathering 3. Remember, (laughs) go to the show notes and sign up. But in Gathering 3, we're going to talk about creating and identifying these containers in your business and how to get really clear on the rules to move people through the containers so that by the time they are on the call with you, you're actually having a real sales call and you're in the energy and you're in the headspace that you need to be in to serve them in a powerful way and to let them know that they can trust hiring you and they're going to want to hire you. You're going to be in that energy that you need for that call. And also, you're never going to be out of integrity, right? You're you're never going to be out of integrity like I was out of integrity. Giving people things for free, making them feel like they had all the information, which really only frustrated them when they found out that they didn't. I mean, we're going to go into all of that, right? How to stay in integrity, how to identify your containers, how to set the rules so people move through your containers, how to have a sales call that feels really, really good. I mean, we're even going to talk about the structure. Now, I don't believe in a script for a sales call. If you've listened to any of my podcast episodes, you know that. If you're new, again, hi, welcome. But yeah, I am not a believer in scripts for sales calls because these are just conversations finding out about other people, not talking about you. But there is a structure that will allow you to feel really good about it so that you can get what you need. And so we're also in these gatherings, I'm going to give you feedback on your sales call process. I'm going to ask questions. You can share information. I'm going to give you feedback and real coaching about where you're able to make improvements so that you can do everything that we've talked about in this episode Get the right people on the phone with you. Who And the right people are people who are ready to hire you now, ready to hire you at your rate. You're having fun. It feels good. So head to that link in the show notes. You're not coaching people. Remember, you're not trying to solve a problem. What you're trying to do is figure out, are you a good fit? Do you have a specific problem that I help solve? Is the solution a good fit for you and the way that I deliver the solution? And are we a good fit to work together? And therefore, would you like to move forward with me? 
That's what you're trying to do on a sales call. You're just trying to figure out what are the problems a person's having? What are the results that they're wanting to achieve? Am I a good fit for them? Are they a good fit for me? And do they want to move forward with me? And do I want to move forward with them? That's it. On a sales call, people are calling you because they want to be seen, heard, and understood. They just want to know you see me, you hear me, you understand, and to validate that you're able to help them, that you'll be able to move them through their challenges, that you'll be able to get them to the results that they want. Now, you shouldn't be lying on a sales call, but you should be listening and affirming if it's real. But that's what you're going to be doing on the sales call. You're just trying to decide those things. So you're talking about them. You have to talk about them more than you talk about you. You have to find out what are your challenges? How are those showing up in your life? How are you trying to navigate these challenges? Where are you going for solutions? What kind of solutions are you looking for? What kind of ways do you like to work with people? What are you hoping for out of this relationship? What would the results be that you're hoping to achieve by us working together? You know, what is your personality like? What are your values like? And you're trying to see equally Am I a good fit for them? But also, are they a good fit for me? And then asking if they'd like to move forward with you if you are the right person. So I want you to change your perspective around a sales call. In the tap dancing example, the mindset you're coming at the sales call with is, I need to convince them that I'm good at what I do. You might not be proactively thinking that, but you're showing up in that energy, right? Remember, you're ready, got the tap shoes on. The leotard, the cane, the top hat, you're ready to go. You're going you're gonna to convince them, right? But what if instead you had this thought? They're on the phone with me. They're on this consultation with me because they already know that I'm good at what I do. That's why they're on the phone with me. They would not have gotten on the phone with me if they did not already know that I'm good at what I do. So I don't need to use a sales call to confirm that for them because they already know that I'm good at what I do. What I'm doing on the sales call is trying to check those boxes we talked about earlier. And the reason, guys, the reason they're going to already know that you're good at what you do is because you've done relationship marketing, not traditional marketing, relationship marketing, and you've done it correctly. If you've done relationship marketing correctly, then by the time they do schedule a sales call with you, they're scheduling the sales call because they have already confirmed and validated and they know you are an expert and you are good at what you do. And they're ready to see if then you are a good fit for their particular challenges. But they do not doubt that you are good at what you do. We're just seeing if we're a good fit. That is your mindset shift. I don't have to prove I'm good at what I do when people are on a sales call with me because they already know it. That's why they've asked to get on the call with me. That's why they've asked to talk about working with me. Because remember, we have to go back to that original definition of a sales call They're all ready to talk to me and work with me. They're just making sure that it's a good fit. And that's why the definition of a sales call is so important. So remember that the definition is someone who has affirmatively said they think that you can help them. They just want to talk about it more to validate that that's true. So if somebody doesn't know you at all yet and they're like, hey, let's get on the phone and have a one-on-one and learn more about each other and learn more about our businesses or, hey, let me learn more about you and what you do and how you do it. That's not a sales call. So of course, it's not going to be in a place where they already know that you're good at what you do and that you're an expert. Maybe they haven't been referred to you by somebody where they inherited that trust. They haven't seen you. They literally just met you out of the blue somewhere and said, oh, this is kind of interesting. Let's have a one-on-one. That's not a sales call. That is an information gathering call. So of course, that's not going to convert because they're not at that stage yet. They have just become aware of you. And when people just become aware of you, they don't purchase from you immediately. Remember the customer journey cycle is they have to become aware of you and then consider you and then purchase from you. They haven't gone through the consideration phase yet. That's the important thing to know. That's why it's important to know what the definition of the sales call is. And this is why it's important to have a relationship marketing strategy that moves people into awareness and then through the consideration stage. So by the time they get on the sales call, they already know you're good at what you do. You're just using that time to confirm that working together is a good fit. 
No more tap dances. No more of this bad energy. No more of pushing people away by trying to do the thing that you think isn't pushing them away and everything that we've talked about here today. So I hope that this has really helped you rethink how to approach your sales calls, what your sales calls should really be about, and to maybe stop and go, I don't really have a sales call problem. I have a value problem and I need to solve that problem. So go check out the link in the show notes. Sign up for Gathering 3, getting the right people on the phone with you. And again, those right people are people who are ready to hire you now at the right rate. You'll also get the replays of part one and part two. Part one was how to find the right people online, on social media, virtually, how to connect with them, how to build these relationships that we're talking about. And part two was finding the right people in person through speaking and networking. And that one went into detail. It went into detail about creating a networking strategy that works for you. It went into detail about getting speaking engagements and leveraging speaking engagements and using those to build your business. We went into extreme detail. I can't even tell you how much detail we went into. It was a lot. And then, of course, you'll be able to attend live. And if you can't make it live, you'll still get the replay, although I hope you make it live. Because the more people who are there, the more interactive it is, the more feedback that you get around your sales process, all of your marketing containers, the rules around them, your structure of your sales call. We're going to go into that. We're going to create relationship marketing and a sales call strategy that allows you to leave behind all the tap dancing, all the convincing, all of the exhaustion, so that instead, by the time you're on the phone with people, they already know. They already know you're a good fit. They already know that they want to hire you and they're just confirming that you have a solution for their problem and you are finding those right people who are ready to hire you at the right rate. So head to the show notes, sign up, and I'll talk to you next week on another episode of the Rita Made Me Do It show. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Rita Mimi Do It show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to readamanydoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.